Hello and welcome to the Euro Trips podcast. We are back once again talking all things European football, both domestically and Champions League. Uh, I'm your host, Andy, and I am once again joined by my three regulars, um, Naeem, Ryan and Alex. How are you, boys? <laughs> what's the voice? What's, what's the, no, no, we're not, we're not moving, the lads. Did anyone else just notice the voice change when he hit when we hit record? <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> what? I'm sorry for being late, guys. Sorry for being late. Hello and welcome. <laughs> that's called my um. That's called my podcast voice. That is the service voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I get for um, like three or four years in customer service. Um, but yeah, um, I'm all good. I'm all good here. Good man. <laughs> nice, um, nice swift change. Yeah, thank you, Naeem. <laughs> Thanks for deflecting the subject. Um, so yeah, we're going to just run through our league reviews, uh, go through a few debates, etc., as well as go through the um, results yesterday from our respective clubs uh, in the Champions League. So we're going to start off this week with myself and the Premier League. The uh, Premier League starts off with the biggest match of the weekend. Uh, when Chelsea played Man City. Um, City won 1-0 thanks to a goal from Gabriel Jesus in a game that City pretty much dominated from start to finish. In the same time, Man U lost 1-0 at home to Aston Villa. Um, House got the only goal, uh, but there was a penalty missed by Bruno Fernandes in the 90th minute, which uh, is still bouncing in the Man United car park. Um, Everton beat Norwich 2-0 at Goodison Park thanks to a goal from um, Decore and Andros Townsend. Uh, Leeds uh, let a 1-0 lead slip, but, uh, losing 2-1 to West Ham, uh, including a last-minute goal from Mikel Antonio, um, as well as goals from Rafinha and an own goal from Junior Firpo. Uh, Leicester and Burnley played out a 2-2 draw. Jamie Vardy scored an own goal, but also scored two goals uh, in this game, as well as a wonderful goal from um, from Burnley's new signing, uh, Cornette. Uh, Watford and Newcastle drew 1-1 with a late goal from Saar after a wonder goal from Sean Longstaff. Um, in the game of the season so far, arguably, Brentford and Liverpool played out a 3-3 draw um, in what was a very exciting game. Um, Liverpool took the lead through, um, sorry, Brentford, Brentford took the lead through um, through Pinnock before a goal from Jota and a um, Salah goal made it 2-1 Liverpool before um, Janelt scored a, a goal after quite frankly poor defending to make it 2-2. Curtis Jones made it 3-2 Liverpool before a late goal from substitute Wissa made a 3-3 and was a very impressive performance from Brentford. On to Sunday, and Raul Jimenez is back on the score sheet with his goal uh, in a 1-0 win for Wolves at St Mary's Stadium against Southampton in what was a very a very great goal, a very um, good individual goal from the Mexican. Um, and then the second game was an, another game which saw one team dominate. It was Arsenal beating Spurs 3-1. Um, in this game, Spurs were absolutely terrible and they, they did very little in this game, but Arsenal were also superb. Um, goals from um, Mills Man and match, Emil Smith Rowe, as well as Piet, Emeka Bamiang, and um, Bukayo Saka, as well as a consolation goal from Young Min Son. Um, and then finally, on Monday night, Brighton had the chance to go top of the table, but they uh, were not down for a lot of this game, uh, with Zaha scoring its customary goal against Brighton in the uh, in this in this rivalry before a uh, injury time goal from Neil Mopai um, helped them share the spoils. Um, so yeah, that's no real change in the top four due to um, most teams dropping points. Look at Chelsea, look at Liverpool, look at Man U. So City are probably the biggest winners from this weekend. They're the ones that have really gained the foothold and they're probably now once again the title favourites. Um, but Liverpool currently are top, but it's 
just about, it's not much in it at all. And it's really tight between those four teams as well as Brighton. So it's really exciting in the Premier League at the moment. Uh, it's really been sort of a really, Gary Neville's called it the best start to a Premier League season. And I have to agree. It's been, I think personally, one of the best sort of, in terms of how tight is the top, but also how well these teams are playing around. And even Everton are up there as well. They're in fifth as well. West Ham aren't far behind. So it's really, there's kind of four points separating eighth and first. Um, amazing Arsenal actually um, in 10th place now, only um, five points off Liverpool top. So Arsenal had a real resurgence in this in this Premier League so far. But down their bottom, Norwich is still waiting for a point. They've lost all their six games so far. They have a minus 14 goal difference. Burnley are in 19th with two points and amazingly Leeds are 18th with three with three points, but it's Newcastle 17th with three as well. So I think not only is the Premier League tight at the top, it's also tight at the bottom, where really um, there's not much separating these teams at the bottom right now. And I think you can see any one of Norwich, Leeds, Burnley, Newcastle, Southampton all going down. I don't think Leeds will. I think these will be the ones that are safe, same as Palace and Wolves. But yeah, I think Newcastle and Burnley have to be really careful on Southampton as well in that fact. Um, and yeah, I think it's been a really exciting start to the season. Um also, we've seen Hamas Rodriguez leave Everton after just over a year. The club, he's now gone to Qatar, uh, where they're managed by Lauren Blanc, I was looking at today. And they've also signed someone else this week, who I want to actually ask about later on with uh, Ryan in Syria, about someone who's really flopped, uh, despite much hype, when he joined this club in Italy. Um, in terms of the Champions League, there were games on last night. Um, Man City lost 2-0 to PSG, with Lionel Messi getting um, his first goal for the club as well as a goal from Adrissa Garnagay, who um, amazingly got the first goal of the game. I mean, if you were doing a bet before this game, I bet he had really good odds of scoring the first goal. Um, so they lost 2-0 to PSG in Paris. Liverpool won 5-1 away in Porto, um, thanks to two goals from Mohamed Salah, two goals from Bobby Firmino off the bench, as well as a goal from Sadio Mane. Um, Porto did score, but to make it, um, I think it was 3-0 at the time, 3-1, um, to put some nerves into Liverpool fans. But overall... They got the job done. But that was mainly thanks to some terrible keeping from Diego Costa. I mean, I don't know whether you boys saw the highlights of this game or even watched it in the first place. I mean, how bad was that keeping from the Porto keeper? Very. <laughs> it was all, It was bad. Great I mean, analysis. The, <laughs> <laughs> you look at the, um, the second goal, we had how he, why he didn't, didn't come out of his goal and just let the ball go to Mane, I don't know. I mean, the first goal from Bobby was just, how, why has it gone out that far? Um, so, yeah, I think the keeper had an absolute mare. And I, I, <laughs> I feel sorry for him, but at the same time, I, I don't really because it's helped us get get three points. And it really, it was until the end, looking like a great day for us. But until, I think Milan and Atletico were drawing 1-1. But then the late goal from um, Suarez, of all people, has made this group quite interesting now. So our group currently, looking at um, sort of the group we're involved in, we're on six points, Atletico on four, Porto on one, Milan on zero. So um, it's going to make our game against Atletico even more exciting now next week. I'm not sure who's home um, in that game. But yeah, it's um, been a good week of Premier League action. Um, one more debate before we go. It's one that you boys are really going to enjoy. Um, what's going on with Spurs? <laughs> shit. Yeah, in other words. It was so bad against Arsenal. I mean, the first two goals especially... Um, I was mentioned actually in our podcast, the hair dry treatment. Do check it out on Apple Podcasts. Um, and the first two goals, the Smith Rowe goal and the Bamian goal, I mean, they gave so much space to those players when they scored a goal. I mean, the amount of space they had in the box was just insane. And then you look at the 
Um, even though you've got to praise Harry Kane for getting back for the third goal, he also <laughs> did mess up for the goal and it, it wasn't the best defending. But this, this, this looked completely, even when they scored the goal, they never looked like they were going to get a second or third. Uh, and it was just, first of just terrible. And I think that you have to look at, first of all, I think that Harry Kane, whole saga with him in the summer has to be affecting the dressing room somehow. If you're a star player who, albeit gave terrible team talks in all or nothing, um, <laughs> you, think, you think that his sort of, how is he going to inspire a team when the whole team knows that he publicly wanted to leave and even set himself a price tag? Um, when Bruno was with, with the fourth choice uh, manager, that's not really telling much confidence in him. But also you look at, uh, he wasn't exactly amazing in his last year at Wolves. And it, I got a feeling it actually was by mutual consent um, this departure from Wolves. So it does make you think about their choice in manager, um, but also just their sort of the way Levy handled the Kane situation. So, uh, but yeah, well, what do you boys think about about the Spurs' recent issues? It's just just that it's been coming. They've, it's more about the play style, the tactics, really. Against Arsenal in the first half, Son and Kane had one touch each inside the Arsenal penalty box. It's with the, the, it's just, it, it came so underprepared. They just let Arsenal progress down the wing and then had no real... They, they didn't try to press them and they seemed fixated on playing long ball, but without any of the sort of class that a team like Burnley would bring where you get every second ball. It's, it's not so much, not just the mentality, which is clearly wrong at Tottenham, but there's definitely something fundamentally wrong with the tactics. They've gone so far backwards after Pochettino. Um, yeah, it's quite worrying what's happening there because it's one of those situations where you don't really see how it's going to reset, especially since the Spurs fans really want Marcelo Gallardo in, uh, manager of River Plate. And that that that's basically spawned from people thinking he's a good manager. There's no idea if he'd come, no idea how well his English is or anything. And that's also because on the market right now, there's basically no really good free agent managers who would go for Tottenham's level. Zidane and Conte are above it. There's Ernesto Valverde, mm. which I think he wouldn't go for it either. And you're kind of left with people like Rudy Garcia, who's the former Leon and Marseille manager. This is quite a dire situation, I suppose. It's back to the old days of Tottenham, but pre-Pochettino, when they got average managers in and they were just sort of mediocre in, you know, 10th, 9th, you know. Well, you, you say that, actually. I've been, I'm literally editing a video on Daniel Levy and uh, he's 20 years in charge because it was 20 years this year as chairman. And the Tottenham have come really far under him. Like, in the 20 years before, I think, uh, or in the 10 years before, Spurs beat Arsenal in the North London derby, like, once. And since he's taken over, that shot up massively. And also in positioning, in the 10 years before he took charge, they finished, like, 15th, 11th, 9th, 8th, 6th, 15th, like, 12th. But it, it, they've it's not just been under Poch. It has been really, like, it, since he took over... Since really too since Martin Yole really left, they've uh, been hitting like sixth, fifth, fourth, fifth, fourth mm. that sort of territory. So it, it's just not really. I think the 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 situation right now is where Levy's hit his maximum. Like he's not going to put the money in to take him to be a big title challenger. So now they're just kind of stuck in this sort of mid to great range. They they may have done, but what what annoy me is. You've got that 20 years in charge. They won what? One League Cup? Yeah, one League Cup. In, 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 in all that time. And this is what winds me up when you get people saying, oh, Tottenham are a big club than Arsenal. They're not. They never will be. 
Never, never, ever will be. So, you know, because Leicester can, are bigger than both of them, obviously. They're not. They're not. That's, that's <laughs> a ridiculous argument. Anyway, we ain't, we ain't going to go there. But it, 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 you have no idea how happy it makes me to see England's golden boy, you know, playing this badly for Tottenham. Not just because of Tottenham, but because I don't like Harry Kane anyway. But Shock. he he. <laughs> Not just because I'm an Arsenal fan, well, mainly because I'm an Arsenal fan, but he... <laughs> that is the only reason why. <laughs> if, if, that, if, if, if one of Arsenal's players, like a, like a Shaka or an Aubameyang, had put that kind of performance in against Tottenham, roles reversed, right? that would still be number one on Sky Sports right now. Like, it was talked about a little bit after the game by Gary Neville and, and whatnot, who were... You know, they were all doing their best to, to find excuses for him. The fact is, he wanted to leave, didn't get his way, and isn't isn't turning up. And none of the well, none of the team are really, but him especially. He's he's the captain. He's the leader. Like, you know, you you you've got to be better than that. At the end of the day, you're there. You signed a six year contract. You know, mm-hmm. shouldn't shouldn't have done it. At the end of the day, but I mean, I said I said this before, but I think that. Um... When Kane didn't sign a contract, Spurs were going real good. I think there was they either just been in the Champions League final or they weren't far off reaching the Champions League final. They had Poch, they had this really exciting team. So I can see why he probably thought sign this contract because he thought the team were probably going to go much more high than they've gone since. And I think that um, even think then, though, have... even then, when when do you see like a Barcelona or a Real Madrid player or someone of that level? even sign a contract that long it's so rare that you see it mm-hmm. no it's true i mean we we saw Moyes do it with man u but that, it was exactly how that went and alan uh, pardew oh yeah Newcastle. Pardew. oh god i forgot about that yeah that was that was insane mm-hmm. um but one thing we have actually forgotten that like harry kane had a years of thing about not scoring in august so he has got this trend to start slowly to a season and then he once he gets going, he'll be he, he's absolutely fine. I remember, even last season, he was awful against Everton in that season opener, and then he's obviously gone on to have another good season. So I do think you asked he is playing really bad, probably the worst bad of his career. I do think that once he gets a goal or two in the league, I think we'll see him fly. I just think um, he, he's one of those players that needs the confidence. So I think he's quite a quiet lad normally off the field. So I think that yeah, well, I think I think personally he's still my team with fantasy for a reason. I think once he gets a, once he gets a goal or two. I think both here, but also I think Spurs' performances will go back to being good again. I, um, just, just quickly, I, I am glad that Deli Ali did get highlighted at half time as well on the, on Sky Sports for his shambolic first half performance as well. He was terrible. Didn't even know he's playing. He's, he's, he, he's been so bad these what, last two seasons. Yeah. You know, I don't know what he did. He, he looks like someone who's just like given up and doesn't really care mm. you know it doesn't you, well, you know it's weird well we all saw on all nothing how bad his attitude was it was yeah. really bad it didn't he was probably the biggest loser from that from that whole documentary oh, and right. i think there's actually more character in his hair than there was on that performance on sunday <laughs> it, it was just it was just oh. awful um but what we'll go before we'll go on to you finally now before we do move on to um to league and um what were your thoughts on on Spurs' performance, not only on Sunday but also these last few games in the league? Um, yeah, on Sunday, um, I just I don't think Nuno really set up um, correctly. To be fair, um, 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, we was we was getting down their wings with so so much ease. I've I've never seen Regulon play that terrible in well, since he, he was that first. He, he, he was, was getting ripped apart by Saka. Um, but yeah, I think it's the way they set up to play. Um, they usually rely on Harry Kane to score in these games, but obviously Son got his customary goal. He, he usually scores against us. But yeah, so it's obviously it's poor recruitment in terms of getting a manager. You know, they could have got Conte, but they didn't want to you know pay out his demands and, and stuff like that. So like like you guys were saying is pretty much their fourth choice manager. So, obviously, the fans are not going to be happy there because I, I don't think any of them really wanted Nuno, to be fair. But, yeah, this kind of all stems from them sacking Poch. Um, you know, I think I think they went, like, was it a whole year or a year and a half without actually signing anyone? Um, mm. So, yeah, they didn't really back him well there. But, yeah, what Poch did kind of just glossed over of how they were performing before he came in and... You know, now, like what Ryan was saying, yeah, they're kind of just going back to how they usually are, just like a mid-table team, um, trying to trying to get into the top four. I know we can't really chat much as Arsenal fans, but, you know, we, we still kind of win things, even though we've been, like, terrible for um, since we've moved to the Emirates. But, yeah, it's good to see anyway, um, being an Arsenal fan. But, um, yeah, um, what, what was weird as well is that he pretty much, he didn't play any of his new signings in the North London derby either. He pretty much played the same players that were playing against us last season. So, yeah, I don't know what he was really doing there. But, yeah, he got everything wrong that game. And, yeah, um, we got it right. And I've got to give him his uh, credit. Um, yeah, he, he done well. The only criticism was not making subs earlier because, obviously, now Jack is out for, uh, was it three months now? So, that's the only criticism I can kind of really take away from the game. But, yeah, we blew them away. And, yeah, it was a good day. It was a good day. Yeah, yeah, it was... That's the best I've seen you guys in in, in a while. Yeah. Um, I that that's, that's the most dominant I've seen you guys since you beat Villa 4-0 in the FA Cup final, personally. Oh, yeah. um, what, seven years ago? <laughs> <laughs> well, you I'm, haven't I'm, watched us play out. Tell me, I, don't, I can't think of anyone, anything since that game really that have been, you've been that, well, yeah. dom- like, that dominant. Uh, yeah, or well, you had the win over Chelsea last December. Uh, was, was that as dominant as it as? But that? the thing is, with both, both both Chelsea yeah. and against Tottenham, like these teams, I don't think they were Chelsea were under Frank Lampard and didn't have any like structure or anything. And against Tottenham, like I, I feel a lot of Arsenal fans are getting carried away. There's a there's a writer on Twitter called No New Thing, uh, an Arsenal fan who I quite like, but he was really hammering home the old test of propaganda after Sunday, and I was just like. <laughs> It, Tot, Tottenham, what Tottenham were about as effective as Norwich could have been, but it was so <laughs> bad. So I'm, I'm holding my horses on, on Arteta yeah. and Arsenal. Yeah, fair enough. Um, well, I mentioned before that Man City lost to PSG. Um, talking to PSG, what has been happening in Liga? Any more fights, Alex? No, but you've made a great transition. Let's talk about PSG City because that was a big moment for PSG. I think mm-hmm. I, I've got another topic of Liga to talk about after, but. Um, PSG against City that was a really interesting performance their best of the season probably the best under Pochettino era in, in terms of the attack 2-0 uh, two, two uh, I was doing a bit of tactical work on it actually analysis and Marco Verratti I don't know if any of you guys saw the game he, he kind of proved oh, yeah. it, one of the best midfielders in the world easily like he destroyed the City press single handedly just the way he lured players in and moved it off I think we saw Messi score his first league the first goal, in fact, sorry for PSG or assist uh, last night against uh, against City. 
I think PSG, they're going to take a lot from uh, when we're recording this last night's victory. That's by far the best performance of the season. It could be a really big kickstart for Poch because I was one of the people, especially pre-game, who was saying this is danger territory because the PSG fans have really not been happy with Poch. There's, there's, there's already the people on Twitter with little red X's over his face, which is a bit childish, but it kind of gives an He's... indictment of how people felt. But he earned a lot of courage uh, yesterday. And so kind of round up my little summary of it before you guys might have questions. Uh, I want to quickly talk about a former uh, Premier League Leicester manager, uh, Claude Puel, because uh, he looks like he's going to get sacked again. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> at, at, at Now, Ligon, I've realised it today. A lot of attention has been put on nearly every team in a positive light. Like, there's been teams like uh, uh, Nantes, who last season escaped a rele- relegation via playoff. They're currently 10th, they're doing pretty well. There's uh, the two promoted teams, Clermont Foot and uh, Troyes. Uh, they're 17th and 15th, and they've put in good performances. Clermont Foot beat. Uh, Leon and uh, did a good performance against PSG as did uh, Tour and Mets. Even though they were 18th, they they recently got a win at the weekend over Brest to a 19th. They did okay, but Sanity and after eight games have uh, scored seven, conceded 17, and have three points on the board, all from draws. They haven't won a game yet. Uh, they lost at the weekend three nil two against Nice, and. It's 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 about you, Calvin. I mean, there's a reason I don't I think I've ever spoke about San Etienne on this podcast. It's because up front they've got Wabi Kazri, formerly of Sunderland, mm, I believe. Mm, yeah. Very 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 boring team. Uh, they've got Riyad Boudabouz. He's 31 now. Not really the player he was. They've got a couple of interesting players. Adu Ayushis from PSG, as Adu Yusuf is called as well. Uh, the the one thing I'd say you you can take away from Sanetti and uh, that's funny is a goalkeeper who's English, and uh, he fits quite well. The goalkeeper of Sanetti and is called Etienne Green, and the club plays in green too. That's probably the the only irony and humour you could take from this side as they're lurching towards relegation unless Puel <laughs> gets sacked. Yeah, I mean I ever remember Puel from his Southampton and Leicester days. Um... Well, I didn't watch the game yesterday because I was watching Liverpool's game at the pub. I was hoping they'd show both games, but I was happy it was just our game. But I've seen Pep's um, praise of many players, but one of them he mentioned was Verratti and how good he was and how he was even in love with him. So it's, um, I, th- I think Verratti's always been quite underrated. I think he's been quite someone who goes under the radar. Not many sort of talk about him as one of the best midfielders in the world, but I think on his day, um, as well, it sounds like it was yesterday. He showed that he can be, um, he, he he can be up there in, in that conversation. I think he was excellent in the Euros as well, alongside Jorginho in that midfield. Um, so yeah, I think Ratti, you know, is an exceptional player, and I think that he um, is definitely one of the most crucial players to this PSG side. Um, I did look at the table actually. Um, looked at Leo. Obviously, everyone who knows that Leo won the league last season. Um, a true underdog story. Shout out Dodgeball. Um, so they're currently in ninth place or eleventh place at the moment. And is that because that's their reality, or that because um, they've lost a few players? Um, I think Lille's title victory uh, last last season. There's a lot of talent there, but the the title itself and how they finished was really built on their 
their will and identity and that mentality. Like in the especially in the last stretch of the season, Goldtier and the side, like Yilmaz as well. Like their form was really because they were probably the most sharp the sharpest team in the league. The one I don't want to say wanted it more because I'm not Michael Warren, but like you remember Leicester in 2015-16, like they were beginning to lose, like beginning to lose a bit of momentum towards the end, and they just like pulled out of the bag. That's what Lille were, and I think this season's kind of been a come down from that. But I think they're transitioning uh, slowly into a team who are recognising their talent because they like they won two one at the weekend against Strasbourg that put them up the table a bit. Uh, and in that game, Jonathan David got two, the talented Canadian striker. He was up front with Timothy Ver, who is the son of George Ware. He's also highly rated. They have Angel Gomez at left wing. They've still got mm. Botman and Font in defence with <laughs> Ranildo and Chelic, the same title winning defence. They just need to refine their form. So there is, there's a lot of talent there. I think they've just experienced kind of like a hangover and a bit like Leicester in 15-16, a slow transition in from... We won the league through sheer power mentality, so we're going to win games because we're a good team. And is there any way PSG don't win Liga in this season? Uh, no. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> um, no, I don't, maybe um, in, in a wild scenario, maybe Marseille or Nice somehow do something if Pochettino... If, if last night's game was a flash in the pan more, rather than good form... Uh, like a good change in form, then maybe something. But even PSG have not been playing well. Like, I have to make that clear. They've not been playing well at all, and they've still won every game they've played. So yeah, yeah. in Ligue 1. So it is the thing is in, in France, it's the competitiveness gets talked about a lot, and like it's put on the same level as like Germany and Italy for oh, there's just no like competitiveness. But PSG have won the league less times in the past 10 years than Bayern and Juve. And also the top four in Ligue 1 has not looked the same um, since 2015 and 2016 consecutively. And it's been different every year. So it's the top 10. So there's, there, there's always a year where one of these teams could burst up. So even if PSG, the point I'm making is even if PSG win Ligue 1 as they're predicted to, there's still a lot of excitement and making it worth watching. Oh, definitely. And everyone who, you know, is keen to watch, um, you know, if they want to break from Premier League football, they want to try out a different league. I definitely recommend any of these leagues we talk about, but particularly Liga. And that seems to be getting quite a lot of buzz at the moment on on, um, on the socials, etc. Um, right. The next league we're going to focus on is a league that one of their teams suffered a massive shock last night in the Champions League. Um, thanks to absolute wonder goal. So, um, Naeem, what's been happening in Spain? Yeah, so I can really just um, talk about what happened yesterday in the Champions League. So, yeah, as you just mentioned, um, yeah, Real Madrid got a shock home defeat against FC Sheriff of Moldova. Um, obviously, this is the first time in the Champions League. And if you looked at the stats, you, you wouldn't think that Real Madrid lost 2-1, but that second goal, oh, wow. I could just watch that over mm. and over again. Um yeah, um, yeah. So they won two one. The other game um, from the, the other Spanish team um, playing that night was obviously Atletico Madrid that you mentioned. Uh, they went one nil down, but obviously Suarez he got a ninety seventh minute penalty um, to make it two one and to win the game. Um, fun fact: uh, that was his first away goal in the Champions League since twenty fifteen. Um, so that was a run of nineteen oh, games wow. 
yeah, 19 games without scoring away from home. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, going on to the league, uh, Deportivo, they took on Atletico Madrid. Uh, they got their first win of the season, um, beating Atletico Madrid 1-0, uh, thanks to the only goal of the game from Victor Laguardia's fourth-minute header from Duarte's corner. Valencia, they took on Atletico Athletic Club. They drew one all. Um, Inigo Martinez, he scored in a 69th minute with a headed goal from a corner. Maxi Gomez got sent off in the 81st minute after a second yellow. Um, this didn't stop Valencia, though, as they went on to score in the fourth minute out of seven minutes added on at the end, um, thanks to Marcos Andreas' first goal for the club. Slotting in from close range. Um, this is the second game in a row Athletic Club have conceded in added time uh, where they could have picked up four points. Instead, they picked up one. Sevilla, they got a 3-0 home win against Espanyol. Um, Yusuf Enesri, he opened up the score in the 13th minute after a low-drilled cross from the captain, um, Jesus Navas. He's still um, playing his game out in um, Sevilla. Uh, Thomas Delaney, he was actually sent off in quick succession in the 65th minute. After his reaction to be to giving away a foul, he continued to argue with the referee and he was shown a second yellow. Um, Sevilla then doubled their lead late on uh, from substitute Rafa Mia. Real Madrid, they took on Villarreal and they were held to a nil-nil draw against um, Unai Emery's Villarreal. Uh, this is now the, their fifth draw Villarreal in the league, the most out of any other team. Um, so yeah, they're finding it quite hard to score at the moment. Mallorca lost 3-2 at home to Osasuna. Um, that was after Cote Valdez scored in the ninth minute for Osasuna with a rocket of a shot from about 25 to 30 yards out. However, the lead didn't last that long as Danny Rodriguez headed uh, he headed in, in from Salva Sevilla's corner. Uh, minute after conce- a minute after conceding, Mallorca doubled their lead in stoppage time of the first half with Nino scoring with a, uh, a last kick of the game. Inigo Perez made it 2-2 in the second half with a well-taken free kick into the top right-hand side of the goal. Javi Martinez scored late, a late goal in the second half to make it 3-2 um, after being 2-1 down uh, in the first half. There was late drama in the game as Mallorca were conceded a penalty in the uh, 94th minute um, of 10 additional minutes, uh, but this was overturned by VAR as... There was an offside in the build-up to the penalty. Um, Osasuna have now made it three away wins out of three. Um, so, yeah, they're doing quite good away from home. Uh, Barcelona, they beat Levante 3-0 at home. Um, Antu Fati, he made it onto the bench after 322 days out and after four operations on his knee. So, in the game, Memphis Depay, he got a penalty in the fourth minute of being taken down by um, by being taken down. He obviously subsequently scored the penalty. Seventh minute later, Luke Dion, he doubled their lead with his first goal for Barcelona um, after being on loan from Sevilla. About 10 minutes to go, um, Ansu Fati came on and he capped off a cameo appearance with scoring from outside of the box. It was quite a good goal to see um, and it's good to see him back playing for Barcelona. Uh, this was also Barcelona's first win in three games after drawing the last three games. So, obviously the pressure still on Ronald Koeman, but... Yeah, I think his time is probably going to come close to an end. Other um, games. Um, hold on. Well, no, I mean, you remember it all of this off the top of your head. 
yes. I'm just trying to uh, break into my just, brain. Just talking to the rustle of your brain in the background. <laughs> right, where are we? Um, yeah, so Robertis, they won 2-0 against Getafe. Um, William Jose got both goals for the, of the game, which sees Getafe winners in seven, um, with seven straight defeats. Celta Vigo, they drew 1-0 with Granada. Um, Igor Aspas had a penalty saved in the 73rd minute. Um, but late on in the 94th minute, um, former Arsenal player Denis Suarez scored the winning goal. And um, Rayo Vallecano, um, they won 3-1 against Cadiz. Uh, Alvaro Garcia opened up the scoring in the ninth minute from for the home side before Harryogan. Don't have to say his name. Equalised in the 23rd minute uh, after he went to VAR. Um, this fun fact: this uh, he was the, he's the first Armenian to score in La Liga um, ever. So yeah, that's um, I never knew I never knew no Armenian players had ever not played in uh, La Liga before. But Falcao he made it 2-1 before half time. Uh, that makes it three and three for the Colombian. Uh, Easy Palazon made it 3-1 late on with a shot outside the box, hitting a crossbar as it went in. So that's a quick roundup of the games. I'll just quickly go through the table. Um, so yeah, Real Madrid, after that draw, they still remain top with 17 points. Behind them in second is Real Sociedad with 16, 16 points. Sevilla are third with 14. Fourth are Atletico Madrid on the same points, 14 as well. Raya Velocano, they are um, fifth. With 13 and Barcelona have creeped up to sixth place. But uh, before I finish, um, I've, I've noticed in recent weeks um, there have been quite a lot of added minutes um, on at the end of each each game. So five games on the weekend had seven additional minutes. One game had five additional minutes and one had ten. So I know there's a lot of VAR checks, but these added minutes are just it's getting crazy now. But um, yeah, that's a quick roundup of the league, and I'll let you quickly know who's at the bottom. Obviously, Catafe there, rock bottom with no points, um, seven straight defeats. Um, Alaves, Deportivo, yeah, they got their first win, so they're on three points. And Granada, they're on three points, but they still haven't won yet. But they've drawn three games, so yeah, it looks like Catafe. Um, yeah, I, I, they're not going to be uh, getting any points anytime soon, so they, they look to be going down, but. Yeah, with Real Madrid and Atletico, yeah, they just keep dropping points um, to teams that you don't think they would do. But yeah, there's all to play for at the moment in Liga, and um, yeah, the title race is looking good at the moment. Oh, I finished now. <laughs> oh. Oh, shit, man. I need to sleep in my analysis. <laughs> Oh God, you, you you missed a great speech then for me. It, it was like it was it was Oscar worthy. Um, <laughs> well, let's hear it. <laughs> I was just going to say that it's um, the title race in Spain has always been the league in the last couple of years has been quite tight. Uh, last season proved that, and this season seems like it's going to be um, a similar sort of elk and similar sort of competitiveness at that end of the table. Um, right, our final league is in Italy. So, Ryan, what has been happening in Syria this week? Leao, inició activo, abriendo la cancha con Calulu, Calulu y el centro. Gol, 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 gol. Maldini. Gol. 
goes on a bit, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> that was a goal scored by Daniel Maldini for AC Milan and Nad 2-1 win over Spezia. And obviously everybody recognises the name. He is, of course, son of AC Milan legend Paolo Maldini and grandson of another AC Milan legend, Cesar Maldini. Um, yeah, unbelievable, really, the fact that he's now in the Milan first team. Really, really good talent. And, yeah, scored a really nice header in uh, Milan's win over Spezia. That was the first game of the weekend. The second game was AC Milan's rivals, Inter, who drew 2 all with Atalanta. And the last game of the Saturday was Genoa, who drew 3-3 with Verona. A game that saw striker Matteo Destro score a goal whilst holding a bottle of water. Don't know why he had it in his hand, bizarrely. But, yeah, don't see that very often. Um, On to Sunday, we saw Juve beat Sampdoria at home 3-2. For some reason, they can't stop conceding goals at the minute. You know, Juve, they're, they're getting out of jail very, you know, just. But, you know, they got the three points, so that's what matters. Empley beat uh, Bologna 4-2. Sassuolo beat Sal- Salernitana 1-0. Fiorentina beat Udinese 1-0 away. Another goal from Dusan Vlahovic. In the Rome derby, we saw Lazio come out on top 3-2 over arch-rivals Roma. Napoli continued their 100% record of 2-0 home win against Cagliari. And the last game of the weekend, last night, was uh, sorry, Monday night, was Venetia, who drew 1-0 with Torino. That are the results from the league over the weekend. In terms of the European action, last night, we had both Milan clubs in action. Obviously, AC, they lost at home to Atletico Madrid. And he mentioned that, you know, 97th minute penalty from Luis Suarez. And in it, we're held to a nil-nil draw with Shakhtar. You know, I watched that game. Shakhtar can probably consider themselves unlucky not to come away with three points in that one. And based on their second half performance, you know, Inter were more dominant in the first half. How Ed and Dzeko didn't score, I'll never know. And they also hit the bar from uh, Nicola Barella. But yeah, was a was a good entertaining nil-nil draw anyway. But yeah, another solid weekend of action. You know, again, goals in every single game. No nil-nils. What more could you want? Yeah, yeah, no, it's been, um, yeah, I think Italy's been a league that's definitely improving. Um, there's one thing I hadn't, um, I wanted to ask you, Ryan, as a Syria, mm. um, Syria man. There's one player who's recently moved away from Roma. Um, mm. Everyone who watches Premier League will know who this is, and Stephen and Zondi. I mean, he um, he came into Rome with a lot of hype. I remember he. I remember he's a player I've always loved. He's been a player that, um, you know, when he's a Blackburn Stoke and he moved on, he was an excellent player and I really did like him. He played well for France. I mean, he was good for Sevilla as well when they won the Europa League, I, I believe, when he was there. And then he's gone to Roma and had a terrible time. I think I was looking at some stats earlier from um, from his time there. And it's something like he's only played something like 30-odd games and he's... Um, he's, had, he's had a terrible time, so he's now joining the same club as Hamas Rodriguez in Qatar. Um, so yeah, what happened with with him? Because when he came to Roma, he was seen as one of the best, one of the best players in his position, and he just seems to have gone on a massive downward trajectory. And he seems to just be, um, obviously, he's now thirty two, and he's sort of probably 
past the point with Gray where he can come back and be at that level again. Mm. So, um, yeah, what, what, what's happened to him since joining Roma? Well, he obviously joined Roma probably on the back of his best spell of his career at Sevilla, arguably. I mean, he was he was very good at Blackburn. He was good at Stoke as well. Uh, and then, again, he was very good for Sevilla. Roma took a chance on him. I think it was in 2018, so about three years ago now. Uh, if I can remember rightly, it was for around just under 30 million euros, I think. But I'd have to check that. But he failed to make an impact, you know, in, in, in this three years. He's made 39 appearances, but he has spent time on loan at Galatasaray and, and Wren as well. I think he was all right for Wren. Um, I don't, I didn't watch him that season, so I don't know. But, you know, he made quite a number of appearances for them, so he must have been OK. But he's always been a good player. I mean, he he's one of those names that was linked with Arsenal for every single transfer window. And... Mm-hmm. He, he, he was a player that we could have done with, you know, a number of years ago. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's because Mourinho necessarily didn't want him. You know, Roma had to balance their books. And I read an article recently in which they had to try and ship out 23 players, which, you know, that's a tremendous amount of players um, from, you know, obviously Italian teams have very big squads. But he was obviously, you know, surplus and they wanted him gone pretty much you know he won he wanted two million euros to rip his contract up uh this year roma didn't want to pay him that they just wanted him to go for nothing which I, and i do it's, it's not often that i sympathize with footballers in financial matters but you know he's someone who's earning um reported three and a half million a season so i, I felt he had every right to ask for this you know he was frozen out of uh, the squad frozen out of training as well you know he wasn't even allowed to go anywhere near the first team squad and I think that was a bit harsh but in the end he has gone for nothing he's gone to like you say Al Rayan in Qatar who as you mentioned are managed by the former French team uh, manager Laurent Blanc also Tim Cahill is their chief officer um, of sports hmm. he was at the press conference as well with uh, with Nzonzi so yeah, it's just one of them, you know, some some moves don't work out. But, you know, I think he'll be remembered most fondly for his time at Blackburn when you look back on his mm. career. Yeah, and actually, interesting was Tim Cale, actually. He actually he was on the podcast, Jamie Carragher's podcast, The Greatest Game. Mm. And he talked a lot of sense. He talked, he had a lot of good things to say. So I think Tim Cahill, anyone, I'll, I'll put the link in, in the, on Twitter um, for that podcast in particular, because... Um, it was just a very interesting podcast. He really knew his stuff. And I think that he's proved to me that he can have a really good career after retirement. So I think whether that's manager, whether that's a coach, whether that's pundit, punditry, whether that's what he's doing now, being a chief executive, I think he's really seems to have a good footballing brain. And I think that, I think personally we'll see Tim Cahill in a few years um, have a really big role somewhere and do really well, whatever he does. So um, good luck to him. Mm. Um, but yeah, that does conclude our podcast for this week. Before we go, we're going to give you all our player and a goal of the of the weekend. So I'll start with the Premier League. For me, the player of the weekend was Emil Smith Rowe for his performance against Tottenham for Arsenal in their three one win. And then the goal of the weekend, I mentioned it earlier. I've gone for Sean Longstaffs against Watford. Uh, it was an excellent goal. Um, sort of left hand side outside the box. 
Um, hit it, sort of top right corner, past Ben Foster, and I thought that was an exceptional goal. Um, Alex, who is your league and player of the week and goal of the week? Uh, oh, my goal of the week was Dimitri Pius free kick against Lens. Uh, Marseille lost 3 2 uh, on Sunday afternoon. I think it was their first loss of the season. Been playing really well, and uh, there were two 0 down going into half time, but literally, I think it was just on the check it now, actually. Yeah, it was just. Literally on the verge of half time, they'd got one back already through Payo, and uh, he belted in a stupidly good free kick, like classic Payo. He controlled that game, but whilst they still lost three two, and uh, I was, I'll take the player of the weekend from this game too was a uh, Satoka of uh, Lons. He scored a penalty, got two assists, and uh, ran right on the right hand side. Fair play, fair play, um, and Naim. Who is the player and goal of the weekend? I'm going to go for William Jose of Real Betis. Obviously, he's on loan at the moment. Um, yeah, he's done well um, since being on there on loan. He's got three goals in four games. Uh, my goal of the week is Izzy Palazon. Um, he plays, obviously, for Rio Vallecano. He obviously scored the third goal of the game late on. He was outside the box, skipped past one player, and then literally left, left foot shot. Beat the goalkeeper, hit the crossbar, and went in. There was enough. There was a free kick. I would, I would have given it to, but yeah, this goal was, it was a good goal. So yeah, I'll give it. Those are my picks. And finally, Ryan, what is your goal of the weekend and your player of the weekend in Italy? Oh, well, goal goal of the weekend is uh, Matteo Destro, just for the, his goal. Was holding a bottle of water in his hand, really. You know, he chipped it over the keeper, and then you know threw the bottle of water into the crowd. So. <laughs> uh, very, very interesting stuff, and uh, he also gets my player of the weekend, just because you know he scored two goals in a in a five minute burst. You know he got the got my goal of the weekend. You know he scored a header for his first one, and was very influential in you know in Genoa's free all draw. So good stuff. Fantastic. But yeah, that does conclude our podcast for this week. We'll, we will be back next week for more European chat. So um, look forward to seeing you then. So um, I've been your host, Andy. This has been Alex. This has been Ryan. And this has been Naeem. Ciao. Adios.